Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually with podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff. You can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com or the Access More app. Stories stir the soul. Stories reveal. And stories heal. In this podcast, we will give you an inside look at someone who's had a life-changing breakthrough. Real people, real stories with real breakthroughs. As a health and wellness expert and coach and Todd as a men's mentor. We've seen firsthand what God can do when it comes to a breakthrough. So lean in, listen well. This could be your biggest breakthrough. He left me for 10 days. Yep, I did. Yes, he did. <laughs> How'd you do? I actually did okay. What? <laughs> I leave you for actually, 10 days and you do okay? Weren't you well, lonely? Well, I was in the beginning. I huh? have to admit, Were you a little lonely? I was a little lonely. Did you miss me? I missed you a lot. Did you learn anything while we were separated? Oh, yes, I did. Did you? I actually did. Yeah. Because of where I was. During this 10 day separation. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So welcome to your biggest breakthrough. I'm Todd. Oh no, I'm Wendy Pett. Oh my goodness. You are so confused. You see, see what, happens what happens when you spend too much time alone is you get all confused. Oh my gosh. How can yeah. I just say I'm Todd? I have no idea. That is so <laughs> great. <laughs> and I'm Wendy Pett. Oh, that's not how you talk. All right. So it's Todd Wendy oh. here and it is your, whoops, your biggest breakthrough. Yeah. You actually are on the the right podcast. Yeah. And Wendy and I are going to talk about some things today that may be of interest to you. We hope it is of interest to you. Or it may be a little disturbing. No, it could be very <laughs> disturbing. Kidding. That's true. Um, so let's just give a little background. Yeah. Just a little teaser. The things that we want to share with you today, we believe are applicable to everyday living. And that there are some things that we're going to talk about today, sort of lessons that were learned that hopefully you can implement into your own life. Yes. And it's not to leave your wife. No, nope. Not unless even for 10 days, unless you want to do what I did. And that yes. was, and what uh, was I, that? So I headed off to a monastery for 10 days. It was supposed to be 13. Let's get real. You cut it short. It's true. I, <laughs> well, here's, here's what happened is I, I made a commitment to go some somewhere between 10 to 13 days. I don't know why 13, I guess just because it's short of 14 and it sounds better. Uh, but I made the commitment. I'll go at least 10 days and uh, hopefully for 13 days. Well, it turned out to be 10 days and I was in agony, <laughs> but we'll talk more about that. Yes. I went to a Benedictine monastery. Yeah. So yeah. But, but called, first of all, why, why did oh, you why? even have this drive and desire to go to this monastery? I needed to get away from you for 10 days. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Felt, what better place no. than a monastery? <laughs> I wanted to go find out uh, what it's like to spend extended time alone with uh, primarily just yourself and in what a my... robe and with a shaved head. No, no I didn't that's have a different that, kind, unfortunately, different kind. Uh, yeah. but no, I, I wanted to find out what, what would surface. And mm -hmm. honestly, originally I thought I'm going to go away to this monastery and I'm going to start writing a book, another book. Right. There's something that, that you I've actually been... told me about this time. Yeah. You, you were going to, yeah. I, yeah. I was telling <laughs> the last you about book last you didn't book. tell me about, right. but that didn't happen. Uh, I just, I went wide open to see, so God, what do you have in all of this? Uh, and I could not 
seem to get to the place of writing this book or even starting to write the book. I did some other things. I did some journaling and, and I did all kinds of other things, um, but uh, they weren't, they weren't on an agenda of any kind. Yeah. Wasn't planning on it. So can I just, I, I got to give a little context. Yeah, give some context. So this is the St. John's Abbey Monastery. It's part of St. John's University in St. Cloud, Minnesota. And I've been familiar with that school. In fact, years and years ago, my brother and I did a little triathlon on the campus. We had to swim across the lake and back, mm-hmm. run a 10K in the woods, and then bike 25 miles on the country road. So I had some familiarity, but it had been a long time. And you're familiar with the college. Yeah, somewhat. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I mean, they're a great school. It's a Catholic college, and um, they are a just a, a a. They have a lot of tradition. They were founded in 1856 by the Benedictines, who came to Minnesota and established this place of education. So, make a long story short, I done I'd done a little research. You're not even aware of this. I checked out a number of monasteries throughout the country. Oh, I didn't know that. No. Because I didn't want to tell you to the last minute, like See, it was he in does Pennsylvania that. or something. <laughs> but turned out Surprise. like this one's in our backyard. It's like hundred miles away. So this this I can do. Just I thought, let's be at least nearby in case Wendy goes crazy and needs me home. Oh yeah. And then I'm within yeah. driving distance. So you know, here's here's one thing I'll say is that interesting people do interesting things. Mm. And so you're you're interesting. That's good. Well, I, you and I the both the most love interesting adventure. man yeah. in the world. <laughs> I'm not just sure about that. <laughs> What's the, uh, no, we don't want to talk about that ad, Yeah, but I, I went, um, again, at first thinking, maybe I'll write a book, but then on the way I thought, I'm just God, whatever you want, I'm just going to open up myself and see what happens over this period of time. And yeah. what were you thinking about when I first told you I'm going to the monastery? I, I really didn't quite understand why do you need to go away to a monastery to write a book? And, um, I, I thought, oh my goodness, he's, he's flipped out again <laughs> he's going I've done that a few times yeah he, he's gone over the, on the deep end here so i just thought okay whatever let him have this experience and and who knows how god will meet him there and yeah. so I, I thought it was cool i just thought wow really 13 days do you really need that and and you know you can write that book here at home i can be very quiet i know i could <laughs> so yeah. you can get it done but i know sometimes you need to go somewhere to have solitude and and just some inspiration and that kind of thing but yeah. Um, and just silence, right? Right. And so you experienced silence. I experienced silence. How was that for you? It was deafening. <laughs> right. I'm going to explain that. In fact, I just I jotted down while I was there some of the lessons I was learning each day. Mm-hmm. And so I've summarized them into 10 lessons in the 10 days I was at the monastery. Okay. So I thought maybe if we discuss these lessons that I learned, uh-huh. there's something uh, that you can take away in your life to at least consider um, implementing or changing or so they could be being some challenged by breakthrough opportunities. Well, they were for me. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. Okay. Well, let's so, talk about all right, that. So lesson, one. lesson number one, uh-huh. uh, was, uh, I, I had to come to the conclusion very quickly on that first day when I entered into the little room with a little bed, like, like what, like a dormitory? Uh, it was kind of like a dormitory. Okay. The, it was, I was in the Abbey guest house. So the, the monks, the Benedictine monks are in the, I know Benedictine <laughs> monks, they're in their, uh, in the residence, which is, which is next door in a separate building. And unfortunately I couldn't stay directly with them. That probably was a smart thing on their part, but the, <laughs> the, the Abbey guest house is beautiful. I had a wonderful view of the lake behind uh, the monastery and uh, just a simple, little room with a bathroom and a desk and a chair and a bed. And um, when I walked in, I, one of the first things that hit me 
is that sometimes the best use of your time is spent by simply being quiet and listening and thinking and praying and resting. Mm. And you notice I said that slowly (laughs) because because it took me a while to really absorb that. When I walked in that room and I put my stuff down, uh, I had to, I had to immediately relinquish my need to always have to know what I'm going to do to have an agenda. Cause you're a busy, you like to always be on the move. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I also mm-hmm. believe that, um, you know, we have to, we have to, we have to treat our time like an entrustment from God and make the best use of it. Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, most of us think the best use of our time is it's doing stuff, doing stuff, right? What do you got on your done. to-do list there? What's on? <laughs> and it's knocking these things off. And I had to come to the, that, that, surrendering point of saying, okay, no, no, no. The best use of my time can actually be spent by being quiet and listening and thinking and praying and resting. Okay. So I know you and the majority of people have a hard time, you know, getting into that space. So how long did you really, how long did it really take to kind of get settled in and decompress and get into that space of quiet? Well, I would say in the 10 days there, when I was packing up on the the 10th day, (laughs) I was finally starting to get there. Uh, it, it took me a good five days. It wow. was, uh, it was very challenging. Uh-huh. Um, but I took it a day at a time, which I know is a cliche, but that in reality is when you're in, in a place like that, you, you don't know what to expect. So you take it, you take it one day at a time. So mm-hmm. the, I, I mean, I, ca- I kind of can relate a little bit because mm-hmm. I did, um, a, a hermitage kind of situation you up did. in Ice Asante. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it was just Asante, Minnesota. Yes, yes. And it was only for three days, but I had a whole big agenda, all these books with me and mm-hmm. all the things I was going to do. And I didn't do any of it. And God had a different plan. It was really just sit and be still. And it, yeah. was, it was tough to do. But but the silence, I do mm. remember that silence mm. being deafening. Mm. So mm. let's talk a little bit about that because I, I, I you even talked about a noise that was going on that was driving you nuts. Even though it was silence, yeah. you start to notice yeah. other little hums and well, there was something in the <laughs> in the in the heating system uh-huh. uh, where there was this 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 constant well it wasn't constant but it was it was sporadic but it was it was evident that it was making noise not not a loud noise just often the sort of like off in the distance kind of like a <laughs> and I didn't know was this designed by the monks as sort of like Chinese water torture are they trying you to break sleep. me yeah right 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 <laughs> first night was horrible yeah absolutely horrible but the thing about silence is, and this is the second lesson that I learned, and that is at first silence can be like a deafening distraction. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Because if you're not used to silence, you're very distracted. I was distracted by it being so quiet. Yeah. I didn't like that at all. I'm used to stimulus. Maybe you are too. I think almost everyone okay. is used to some yeah. sort of stimulus, whether it's uh, having, you know, this, this podcast in your ears yeah. <laughs> or just the TV on mm. or the radio on, or just the hum of the refrigerator or the machine, uh, washing machine going on. You, there's always some sort of noise yeah. or the, the, the little clippy clops of, of your, the paws of your dog or cat running across the floor. Right. You know what I mean? The noises. Yeah. And you get used to those. And then when there's nothing, it can be torturous. No, it can be almost torturous. It's a a preoccupation. So it took me a while to get past the reality of it's going to be very quiet. Yeah. 
then I started taking walks in the woods because I, I you get, couldn't handle it. I, no, I had to get out. <laughs> I could just sit in those four walls. So, yeah. Uh, well, we just talked, we were just talking to our friend, Michelle, actually, and she was talking about a, a room mm. that has, um, that is designed to be silent. Yeah. They've done some research some and, testing. Yeah. Some testing and the longest see what happens to humans when it's truly dead silent, like there's nothing like nothing. And the longest anyone has ever been able to stay in that airtight, silent room mm. is 45 minutes. So yeah. imagine that yeah. because they just go crazy. Well, i I wasn't about to go crazy. So yeah. I went well, outside and job. I started taking walks. Yeah. And it's the third lesson that I learned. And that was long walks in the woods really can be very energizing. I could have told you that. Well, I, that's true. <laughs> Let's walk it off now with Wendy. Uh, and I love walking in the woods and it is very energizing, but it's also, it's a, it's a great place to think about what matters most mm-hmm. and to talk with God about all of it. And I mean, so I, I realize I'm sort of stating the obvious here. Uh, that, well, yeah, of course, you take long walks in the woods and it's a great place to talk to God. But when's the last time you did that? I mean, seriously, right. the last time you intentionally went off on a walk in the woods to talk with God? Over the weekend. No. Well, that's because <laughs> we, we're, we yeah, live by the, the woods. That's true. <laughs> There's but a lot of people who have to make it very intentional and get yeah, in a car, yeah. go drive somewhere uh, to, to find a park or, or and, somewhere. And so often God nature. speaks to us in his, in his playground. And so I wanted to ask you, cause I don't yeah. know this answer. We haven't really dialogued about it, but did you uh, sense that God was talking to you through mm. his creation, his animals, the, the, the weather, did something hit you uh, in any kind of way? No. And yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what, what <laughs> happened on my walks in the woods, uh, because I am a talker, I found myself talking to God. Oh, I, uh, you I was, mad. Uh, I was informing <laughs> God of all sorts of matters and things that he should be doing for people. And for me, Oh, funny. <laughs> but then uh, honestly, it was, um, probably after about four or five days, maybe longer. And I'm having a walk in the woods again. It's energizing. It's a great place to think things through and talk with God. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. I'm not talking with God. I'm talking to God. At him or to I, him. And I, yeah. I, I literally, I, I just stopped dead in my tracks mm. and apologized to God. And I said, I really, I, I want to hear what you have to say. Wow. And he flooded me immediately with all kinds of things related to my salvation. Took me right back to the beginning of when I when I received Christ into my life. It it overwhelmed me, and I weren't I wasn't hearing words from God, but I was I was feeling God's heart, and I literally dropped to my knees uh, on those leaves, and I bowed my head all the way down. I'm just getting emotional wow. thinking about it because He so overwhelmed me uh, with the reality of His presence and and His voice and the way He wanted to communicate with me. So. Yeah, there's a whole lot more value in being quiet and listening than just talking to God. Yeah, and I think that that is a very good um, lesson learned for me, for all of us, and for all of us, because yeah. most of us are talkers. We we go and we we pray. We tell God mm. what's going on oh, and what yeah. we need help oh, with. We can and, inform Him of everything. And, and, I mean, we're praising Him <laughs> and all that too, but yeah. it's it's just like the the be still and know mm. and hear my still go. small quiet voice. Absolutely. And, and that takes just being quiet. <laughs> now, when it comes to time to talking to God, uh-huh. uh, sometimes it's very valuable and very enriching to do it with a group. And I'm talking about communal prayer. So I had a chance to join the Benedictines three times a day in their times of 
It's prayer. Yeah. And let's talk about so, that because there is a yeah. routine and the ritual in which that they do, they oh, do their prayer and they had to yeah. help you. Um, well, yeah. So I went, I the went and, over to the chapel yeah. and so they meet 7 a.m., 12 noon and 7 p.m. And uh, they they pray for 30 minutes. And it's primarily uh, it's, it's chanting, it's prayers, it's singing, and it's primarily the Psalms and then some, some readings. Uh, and it's kind of it, the way it's built is uh, on the left side sits part of the, the, the choir, if you will, of monks, the gathering. And on the right side, facing the left side, are more monks sort of forming like a choir. And so we go back and forth. It's pretty cool. Oh, really? In this, in this time of communal prayer. And we used to do that at ball games. Yeah, no. This, oh, okay. A little <laughs> this bit different. Completely different. <laughs> So, so I learned that having communal prayer with others who are, who are like-minded and have the same thing in mind can be a really, really good ritual, mm-hmm. but it's kind of a two-edged, it was a two-edged sword for me. Why is that? Here's what I mean. I, so I, I really liked the reverence, but I'm not crazy about the religious aspect of it. And I say that very carefully and respectfully, um, because sometimes liturgy and religion and all of that, um, can be a little monotonous and yet there's a deep reverence to it. So yeah. there's a little confliction going on with me. Uh, Especially thing, being brought up Catholic. Well, yes, right. I, so, exactly. So I was very familiar know. with it. Mm-hmm. Well, not familiar with that style, but familiar with ritual. Mm-hmm. So the other thing that hit me though, is I like to, I like to read and I like to talk really fast. I like to get it done. Right. <laughs> okay. But joining the monks at prayer time, reading and chanting very slowly yeah. And in a mon on a, a sort of a monotone, monotone voice, <laughs> it was very hard for me to do. Right, right. But extremely valuable. Uh-huh. So, where is the lesson for you in this uh, communal prayer? For me, or yes, rituals. Me or I am. Yeah, I'm. I'm asking all of us. Yeah, is there well, a lesson in this for us? Because absolutely. if you're not joining the monks, what are you doing? Well, are you going to church? Are you going to where the body of Christ is? Are you are you just staying at home and watching online church? Mm-hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with watching online church, but there's something very val- valuable about everyone coming communal. together. Yeah. Yes, communal Most prayer. Definitely. I think there's real power in that. Mm-hmm. And honestly, there there is some real there's some real value in developing rituals. Uh, we don't put our faith and our trust and our love or our worship into the ritual, but we use the ritual as a, as a, as a means of getting our hearts aligned with God. Yeah. Yeah. So did you um, find that you, I don't know, was there anything really difficult? I know the silence was difficult, but what was difficult because you use a lot of technology and and we both do, and we didn't really communicate much. No. Was that hard being away from technology? Not a bit. No, really? <laughs> Look, I'm going to give a true confession. Okay. I had no idea until I was in about day five uh-huh. and I'm walking in the woods and I'm really frustrated. And I say out loud, I am a bona fide addict Oh. because I became very aware. I am addicted Reaching. to my phone. Look, yeah. at, yeah, if you're yeah, on yeah. YouTube, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, who's that? Just texted you. Oh, no, <laughs> Just check kidding. that out here. There's notifications <laughs> coming up. Hold on one moment, folks. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm addicted to my phone. I'm addicted to my computer. I'm addicted to emails, primarily on my computer. I'm addicted to Google searches for everything. Uh, I'm, a, I'm well, addicted to- we need to, to go to DuckDuckGo. Whatever. Okay. I just know that I'm addicted <laughs> to these things. I'm addicted to life management busyness, mm. which occupies a ton of my day. Mm-hmm. I'm even addicted to talking to people. You're even addicted to about talking about your list and getting things done. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> 
I, I just know that it was a very mm. uncomfortable realization and confession I had to make. Because when I think of addicts and addictions, I usually put it in another category. Sure. And we've had several uh, um, podcasts just here recently, the last right, couple right. talking about addiction. Well, so. I never put myself in that category. Well, of course you didn't. But I did Most after, addicts after, don't in the beginning after, <laughs> after a few days of, uh, yeah, I'm, I just realized, wow, I, I miss these things. Yeah. We develop a dependency on these kinds of things in our life. And I think it brings us, I don't know what, um, what does it bring us? It, well, satisfaction, fulfillment, uh, a dopamine drip. Yeah, maybe <laughs> it messes with our chemical makeup. And yeah, uh, yeah we, yeah. we become bona fide addicts. So, all right. Well, what about the uh, next lesson? All right. So the next lesson I learned, <laughs> this is when I was just about losing my mind. Um, and that's lesson number six, that it's okay for a short period of time to have absolutely nothing to do. <laughs> I mean, I mean, nothing to do. Uh, so what was tough for me is I first had to get past this belief that doing nothing is a sin because it seems to be, you know, wasting time. Cause this is how I was raised pretty much. And it's, and it's okay, but you don't want to waste your time. You know, that you're being a good steward of the time that God has entrusted to you. And uh, it didn't seem to me like with nothing to do, that's a very good use of my time. And I had to go back to lesson one, but wait a minute, a good use of time is when you're resting, praying, thinking, walking in the woods and doing, I mean, basically nothing in regards to your little, agenda of all the little busy things that you think you got to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. And so you, you begin to realize that busyness in life brings entrapments Yeah, and that doing nothing brings freedom, but boredom in the beginning, but then you realize it's freedom. Yeah. You well, sure. You got to work through that process, right. Yeah. Uh, of recognizing you're addicted to stuff and you don't like silence and you got to learn to listen instead of always talking to God. You got to, you got to go through that whole process, but but the reality is it really is okay. In fact, it's a good thing for a short period of time to have absolutely nothing to do. And I, I challenge you to try that. Like, like just for a day, no agenda, no to-dos, nothing. Like the just Sabbath would be available. a great day to do that. But it could be any day. Wow, that's but, convicting even just you saying that because that really right? well, is we, what our Sabbath should be all about. Ought to be I know, just, I know. God, I'm here for you. I know. Uh, yeah. All right. So that was okay. lesson number six. That was a tough one. It was. And um, lesson number seven. Yeah. Lesson number seven is being alone. Did you miss me? <laughs> yes, I did. You did. I really, truly missed you. And did I'm you pretty really, good. really I'm, miss no, me? I'm pretty good about being alone. You know that yeah. from all the yeah. years of traveling and being alone and on my own and all. And I am too. We've uh, traveled yeah, we both are. apart yeah. and been yeah. fine. Yeah. But for some reason, this time we both. Yeah had a longing for one another in a different way. Like we just yeah. really missed one another. My heart goes out to, to people who become lonely, lonely because they are alone. Yeah. Now my mother is alone, but she says, but I'm not lonely. Right. And she's really not. She, her life is just filled up with talking with God and his presence. And I mean, she's just very content uh, being alone because she does not experience loneliness. But I normally am, and you normally yeah, are, yeah. but we experience being lonely. Yeah. And so, yeah, it it helped us have a conversation about those that are really experiencing loneliness yeah. and how um, 
it's tough. It's and you tough. can help. And we them. can have compassion for those. We can have compassion, but we also out. need to take action. Reach exactly. Out. Now, you know, some people mm-hmm. who are alone, they've, they've, they're either widowed or they're divorced, or they're just on their own for a while, uh, or they're, they're a young person who's, uh, who's pretty much, uh, you know, at a course of Isolated study and or, yeah, mm-hmm. whatever it might be, you know, somebody who may be struggling with that. We're just challenging you to, to reach out. And yeah. uh, something else hit me though, uh, about you know being alone and loneliness, the, the combination of those two. And that is when you are alone, it makes you realize how much you think about yourself. Oh. Oh, I did not like that. Really? No, Tell, that, okay, we didn't no, talk about this. No. Tell me about this. Well, you, you the, were thinking the, about yourself a lot? Yeah. You think about <laughs> like, like what? Your your how how uncomfortable you yes, are. Yes. Yes. You're thinking about <laughs> all that stuff. You, what about me? What about me? I thought about you once in a while, but I thought about me. Yeah, like what about me and where I'm at and what I'm learning, blah, blah, blah. Wait a minute. I but thought you missed me and you I missed said you, you thought about me. I'm not, but you thought not as much as I did. I thought more about okay, me than you. I'm just gonna be honest with you. Wow. So here's here's when the it. here's right when here the reality hit the reality hit me <laughs> when I'm really observing my brother Benedictines. Because I've had a, I had a couple conversations. I was extraordinarily blessed to be oh, able to yes. interview three of them. Can we talk about the one? Because that's fascinating. We will in a moment. Okay, okay. But I just I have to make this point. Okay. Observing their lives. These are saints, in my opinion, because they literally give up their lives for the Lord and for serving others. So they Jesus. don't think always about themselves because they're thinking about the Lord and about others. And that's what convicted me, realizing, Todd. When you're alone like this, you spend a lot of time thinking about you. Okay, but don't you think just like anything, it took practice for them? I don't think it was. Oh, just, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's so, not them you snap your fingers at. But right. remember, they have made a commitment to completely to surrender yeah. their lives and to give themselves. And we can make that commitment and still be married and raise kids and, and still make a world. commitment. Got to belong to you and your agenda first. And I dedicate myself to serving others. So. Yeah. That was a big lesson for me. Yes, that that is a big lesson. It's a big lesson for me to hear that you were thinking about you more than I'm me. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I think that's healthy. Is it? Well, I don't want to become overly dependent and addicted on you. you well, know, to you. So, that's a good one. Yeah, guess, that's my way mind. to wiggle out. All right. Okay. So, what else did you learn? Well, okay. I wanted I want to talk about the interview that you did with one of the monks because I was yeah. fascinated, and you can just give a snippet of it, mm-hmm. but. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's, so I, I interviewed brother, 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 uh, brother Bob, Paul Vince. Brother Paul. Oh, I'm sorry. Which one are we I talking about? The brother circus. Bob was the last one. Oh, okay. The circus. Circus guy. Okay. So <laughs> brother Paul Vincent. And uh, by the way, he has agreed to be a guest on our podcast. Oh, he did? Yes, he did. Oh, okay. Then don't tell the whole story. I'm just going to give a teaser. <gasps> yes. How in the world in midlife do you go from being a circus ringmaster to a Benedictine monk. Oh my goodness. Stay tuned. I am so excited. You did not tell me that. <laughs> I just found out the email just a couple hours ago. Oh, that's so exciting. Okay. So stay tuned, everybody. Yeah. All <laughs> right. So I also, lesson number eight for me was mm-hmm. that I discovered my idea of knowing the majesty of God and serving others pales in comparison to Benedictine monks and other Catholic re- religious orders. Mm. And in some ways you could say, well, yeah, they got a leg up on you because they, you know, they, they don't get married and they don't have families and they dedicate they themselves just to the Lord. Yeah. yeah. That's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making is that there is a there is a, a level of understanding among Benedictines and other religious orders. There's an understanding of the bigness and the majesty and the awesomeness of God 
that makes mine really kind of pale yeah. in comparison. Mm-hmm. Mine, I was learning, I be, it, it's more superficial for me. And I think for a lot of us. Convicting, right? Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's honestly, that's not a good thing. And this is something we can remedy. We mm-hmm. can stop being so trivial and superficial in our understanding of who God is. And we can get around others who have got an elevated view yeah. of the majesty of God. And I need much more of that. Yeah. And it's, it's fixing our eyes on him and thinking of him first and not you. <laughs> you Absolutely. Thinking true. so much about ourselves. <laughs> but not just thinking of him as I want to think of him. How do you want to think of him? I, no, thinking of him as who he really is oh, right. and beginning to, to have a deeper understanding of that. And I, there's a way to accomplish that. I don't know exactly how to do that other than get around people who have a bigger view of God than you do, read books about it, uh, fellowship with those who are who can bring you up to a higher level. Well, don't you think that that is the beauty of the ritual and the routine is because it mm, takes you back yes. to that space of yeah. who God really is and mm. the reverence. And so, um, I mean, I wasn't brought up Catholic or, I mean, but we still had some routines that we did uh, growing up in church and there is something special about it. And do I love yeah. it? And do I think that that's what you have to do to, to have a great relationship with Jesus? Absolutely not. Yeah. But I do th- think that it helps to keep yeah. that really good, solid foundation. So, right. So, right. So, right. In fact, there, this was, this became more, uh, more evident to me because of the church uh, in the monastery. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful, beautifully designed, architecturally perfect design for for understanding the majesty of God. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that, you know, we put our attention just on the, the physical facade. We put our attention on God. But there's something about that sort of stimulus that just brings our heart to another place. In fact, one of the things that... The that, excellence of it all, right? Yes, the, the excellence and mm-hmm. the, the majesty and the reverence and the, yeah. the sacredness. So mm-hmm. one of the practices of the monks, and I, I did this and I loved it, is whenever you walk, if you're going to walk in front of or pass by the crucifix, you mm-hmm. stop and you bow. Oh. You just take a moment, you bow. Hmm. And I started to do that. And I thought at first, like, oh, this is just a ritual. But honestly, it, it, it's a reminder again, God is God. Well, it's like when we are praying and we're on our knees praying, it's different than when we're just in our car driving Mm -hmm. and praying, you know? That's good. good. You're right. There's there's certain practices I think that will help us put God in his rightful place. I mean, God wants to be friends. We can be buddy, buddy. He's in that rightful place. He is in that rightful (laughs) place. But for us to realize it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. I'm just teasing. I know what you're Tomorrow, lessons. Okay. Lesson nine. What you got? Being uncomfortable in unfamiliar circumstances is extraordinarily tough. Yes, yes. And you know what I'm talking about. Maybe that for you is a place at work. Maybe there's something going on in your home, but it's it's uncomfortable. And and there's some some unfamiliar circumstances that you've you've found yourself in, and you realize I don't like this. Or maybe it's familiar yeah. circumstances, and they're still uncomfortable, like yeah, with family yeah. or or with certain friends or just relationship mm-hmm. stuff. That yeah. it's tough and. You know, yeah. Well, for me, being being up there in this environment, I was actually really proud of you for doing that, by the way, because that isn't it isn't something you would normally do. No, and it required discipline to keep doing it. Yeah, it just did because I was uncomfortable. It was unfamiliar. I wanted to come home. This was tough. It's like I didn't like it. Uh, And and so at first, you know, the unfamiliar brings curiosity. 
And even though it's a little uncomfortable, you're okay because you're kind of curious about it. And then it seems to me, for me, it starts to lead to some doubts. Like, mm. I'm not so sure this is a good idea. I'm not so sure that I'm going <laughs> to. And then, and then after the doubts, you're forced to make a decision. That's exactly where I came to. You're going to make a decision. Either you're going to stick with this or you're going to, you're going to bail. Right. So whatever uncomfortable, unfamiliar circumstance you're in right now, friend, I'm just saying you got a choice. Yeah. You're going to stick you it can out. Stick it out and learn a lot and grow deeper or you can bail. Yeah. I mean, you did bail. But, what do you mean? You did come home early. 10 days is a long time. <laughs> I said a, I said a limit of 10 days. Uh, I'm, I'm just sorry. teasing. I'm amazed that you did 10 days. Minimum of 10. Yeah. Maximum of 13. But you know what? In, in, and by, what did you by really day 10, learn? What did you learn by day 10? By day 10, here's what I learned. Monastic life is not for me. And <laughs> Well, that's and, good news. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah, that is okay. <laughs> it's not for me. But, but I think what I it did is it, it, is it confirmed... Todd's um, longing and all the years of of thinking you should have been a priest, and yet yeah, you, yeah. you you weren't supposed to be a priest, or you wouldn't be where you are with me today, and that kind of thing. But um, just that curiosity and and knowing that you had that desire that yeah. and and it it helped to solidify that and to see that. Mm, no, I, that I was, path in a different yeah, I was able to appreciate the yeah. way that God made me mm-hmm. and what he made me for. Yeah. And I mean, I, he made you for me. Well, <laughs> and for the 12 grandkids that are, that are in existence as well. Well, hello. Uh, and, and all of the life experiences that I went through and the bouncing off the walls and the falling into pits and all the lessons I had to learn along the way which I probably would have been sheltered from, you know, tucked away in a monastery. And it's not that they're not, I mean, listen, these guys are not what the perception is. A lot of people think, oh, monastic life. Well, they're just pretty much sitting around praying and meditating and chanting, right? Isn't they're not really helping the community. A lot, oh, they're, right? Listen, they're these busy. guys work hard. And that's what I found out in my interviews mm-hmm. is they've all got jobs. They all work hard and they do have these disciplines of taking time out to, to pray and to, and to minister, but, and they are on the move. Yeah. Uh, so I, in fact, that in the two interviews mm-hmm. that I did, uh, I was fortunate enough to, to actually get time scheduled from them because they are that busy. And I found out a lot of really great things about their lives and Benedictine monks in general. And uh, somehow I've got to find a way to share those interviews. Well, we may have to do a part two Yeah. and share a little bit Play of those interviews. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. You guys let us know. Yeah. Would you like to hear those? Um, yeah. And so you've got some bonus lessons. I'll just do these real quick. Okay. A couple of, because it, it hit and me too. And then we'll wrap it up. Yeah. So I, <laughs> but this is interesting. Well, I think. this I got from the Benedictines watching them and listening to them and interviewing them. And here it is. Think before you speak. Wow, In yeah. fact, talk less. <laughs> wow. I need to work on all that. <laughs> I, I hate that one. But that's so true. I, when, when I'd ask certain questions, and I had some doozies that I asked these guys, rather than just blurt out an answer and fill up space, spinning their wheels talking, I was amazed, especially uh, Brother Cyril, when he had a tough question, he would, he would look aside and think. He was very comfortable being quiet thinking. Yeah. And I didn't interrupt them. And I promise you, one of those answers that he was thinking about took at least two minutes. Like I'm climbing out of my skin thinking, do I, do I, do I help him along? Do I give him multiple choice? Do I? And then he, 
Listen, he gave me an answer that was so stinking profound. Wow. Why? Because he he was thinking before he was just speaking. You're real so methodical. That, and, that's yeah, important yeah, yeah. for me. That's important for all of us. Why? And the last lesson I learned, and this is just a general um, you know, kind of assumption that I made based upon my experience, and that is this. It's not an assumption. It's a reality. It's a truth. Benedictine monks in this community are genuinely humble and kind. Mm. I was so grateful and impressed by the how genuine their humility was. They don't like try to be humble. They just are. They're just humble. Yeah. And I think they're humble because they spend a lot of time in God's presence and serving others. And they live in a community where you better learn to deal with interpersonal relationship issues. Right. And they do. Yeah, because they have that probably within they the do. community there. I mean, personalities are yeah. personalities, right? Yeah. One of the brothers shared with me, that's probably his biggest challenge, oh, but it's a good one for him. Yeah, yeah. And so, but here's the really cool thing mm-hmm. about the Benedictine monks and their humility and their kindness. And that is this, that is a culture that can be duplicated in your home mm. and in your workplace that's and wherever good. you go. You literally can, if you will align yourself with like-minded people, you can you can develop a culture of humility and kindness and what a great place to be able to function within. Yeah. To honor one another in yeah. that way. Yeah. That's beautiful. I yeah. love that. Well, well done, Todd. Seth, Guess oh, where well, I'm going no, for 10 days. Not there. Uh, <laughs> you're going to go over to St. Benedict's, which is run by the I, nuns. I, I, I don't know. Well, I think actually, I'm going no, the, the Benedict. I'm going to Fiji. For 10 days, what? I have to do some research. Oh, you're not going anywhere, yeah. woman. You're staying right here. To... <laughs> Get in that kitchen and kick me up a meal, honey. <laughs> I cannot believe you just said that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the stereotype. And I'm just speaking on behalf of those oh, are stereotypes. You, are you sure there. you learned something while you're there? I, I, I'm still learning. No, I didn't say learn. I'm saying hey, I'm learning. Remember, remember this yeah. bonus one, the think before you speak. Oh, in fact, boy. No, talk blew less. that one already. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hey, friend, we are so glad you joined us today. We hope you found this um, interesting, also entertaining, but also maybe uh, these lessons that Todd learned that you could apply them to your life and and make your life and those around you better. And hey, stay tuned because you do not want to miss the episode that will be coming up soon. Can't tell you when, but soon in the weeks ahead uh, with with this incredible monk that has an incredible story. So uh, God bless you. And uh, thanks for tuning in to Your Biggest Breakthrough. Yeah, thanks for listening. So glad you could join us today. And you'll find a new episode every Tuesday on your favorite podcast platform. And if you've been encouraged by listening or viewing, would you just take a moment and give us a five-star rating and a quick review? That'd be so awesome. Yeah, and also please share this with your friends and loved ones. If you have comments or questions, or if you're looking for an advertising opportunity, please get in touch with us at yourbiggestbreakthrough.com. Or if you'd like to optimize your health and wellness, you can work directly with Wendy. Go to wendypat.com. Or if you're a guy and you're interested in mentoring and coaching, go to toddisburner.com. We look forward to having you join us on our next episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough.